0: You are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus, also joined by the wonderful Brick Figueroa, and Brick Figueroa, and Austin St.
1: John. Dad, it's good to have you here today. <laughs> it's good to be here, man. It's good to see you guys. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, I'm excited to be back on Battle Ready. Finally,
0: two weeks in a row, we're in LA. We're
1: staying here.
0: I'm not leaving ever again. That's never gonna happen. Okay, All right, let's go. Let's jump into this episode starting now. So let's let's just let's just jump right into this, uh, Dad.
1: Oh, uh, Aaron.
0: You, do you have something to tell me?
1: Is there <laughs> something you like to confess?
0: I don't know what I did wrong. You just a minute ago on the group text with me, Austin, and Brooke posted. A photo. Send a photo to the group from my close friends on on Instagram.
2: A screenshot.
0: A screenshot. That's a violation of privacy. It's like going inside my room with before knocking. I
2: just I don't want even to know.
0: I, it was on Instagram.
2: It's amazing. but it was
0: on my close friends. It's a private.
1: It's a sanctuary. It's a I safe haven. I didn't even know that existed. So yes, I, you I, do because no. You do. no. <laughs> What I saw, what I saw is said your podcast is in the top 1% most shared globally. And I thought, this is awesome. We should celebrate this. The whole world should know this. Why would we you should send se- it to your close friends?
2: Yeah, Because Aaron? I didn't want to brag.
0: Because honestly, the only reason I posted it was because someone else had posted it, another friend of mine, that they were in the top 5% of podcasts. And they really, they do nothing, like, for their podcast. Like, they're very minimal. Like do it, like. Once a month, I think it's very, very like he says it. He's like he said it as a joke. He's like I can't believe we've put like almost no effort into this podcast and we're top five percent. And I was like, oh, I I forgot to look at my our statistics. So then I looked at it and I posted it, and then you sent it to the
1: group. So then I sent it to Brooke and Brooke. You're not in his close friend circle,
2: apparently not. So that's, that's awkward. awkward.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Brooke, <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: And his close friends, and <laughs> it's doubly awkward because I can't believe you have your dad and your close friends. Close friends are for like the jokes that are like too far to post on your regular Instagram, and yeah. you are just seeing all of it. My this dad is, is so seeing all of
0: it. <laughs> this
2: is so. This is not it, even it, close it, friends. What
0: it was. I was these? trying to. I was trying to just brag to my friends, like, "Look, I did something cool. I'm my own person."
2: Really? Look, uh, Pastor Evan, the green star on top by his name—that's how can't you know. Tell
0: it's- because the whole thing's green.
2: Yeah, it's hard to see.
1: All right, so there's a star.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what does that mm-hmm. star mean? And that usually, means it's
2: only for certain amounts of people that he put on his close friends list.
1: Wow. Well, I didn't even know I was in his close friend group. I'm so you might honored not. to be in that group. You ain't in it anymore. You're out. Well, okay. So you got rid of me, but did you add Brooke? <laughs> no,
2: I'll never see it. I'll never I did see add it. Brooke. <laughs> 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 I didn't
1: add Brooke. Austin's <laughs> on there. I didn't. All right.
0: I'm not on Brooks. I'm not on Brooks' close friends.
2: That might be true. But what I really want to know, Erwin, <laughs> who's on your, clo- I feel so weird calling you Erwin. Pastor Erwin, who's on your close friends?
1: I, I don't, I don't have a close friends I feel group. Like I've never created one.
2: It'd be you and you John said- Gordon. It's him, John
0: Gordon, and, and Paula Lima.
2: Because <laughs> my
0: goodness, man, I'm on the group
1: chat with you guys and I want out. I went out so bad. Well, it's funny because I have one little like group chat with like John Gordon and Ed Milette and I have another one with like Edwin Ariave and Ed and John and I have another one with Paulo and uh, and John. And so yeah. I have these little clusters of conversations with my friends um, around around the world. And then
0: I'm on the one where all they do is talk sports and talk trash to each other. So I just feel so uncomfortable because I know if I say something it's like shut up Aaron. I am on well, can... his close friends and but I don't know but like I don't know if they realize I'm there kind of thing. I only say one thing like every 45 texts.
1: <laughs> all <laughs> right. So we had a little rain here in LA and because of that rain we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. Austin, are we going to be able to pick all this up even though it's breaking up a bit?
0: I, everything's been good on my end,
1: so if it's dropping, it might be dropping for you a little bit. But it sounds, Dad, sounds good. You think, you think that's you think that's because of the rain? I do. I, I just know in our house, yeah. whenever we have rain, we have Wi-Fi issues, we have television issues. Uh, you know, we live in in, uh, in LA, and uh, a little bit of rain uh, is like apocalyptic here. <laughs> it,
0: people will never understand this from the Midwest or the South, where like they actually deal with real conditions. But like this, our city just genuinely isn't built for anything except for perfection. Yeah. Like, the, you know, there are earthquakes. You know, our city, even our city gets panic attacks.
2: It shakes a little bit.
0: That's really how I describe it. Even our city has anxiety. There's Joe Smith just casually walking behind you in the background right there. We're not going to ignore that. We're not going to ignore that. Um, okay, so with all that said, close friends, that might be the title of this podcast. I'm not entirely sure. What are the things who are the close friends in your life? and what do you what do you not show your parents? That's really the question. They need to have close friends like 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 uh, Ultra Max, <laughs> like tiered like like uh, like clearances, you know?
1: <laughs> well, close friends, friends, acquaintances. Yeah, yeah. If I, you share this, I, I, you will die. I have a little segue <laughs> if we want to go into a topic. Sure. Because, you know, we're talking about rain in L.A. We're talking about different weather conditions, different parts of the country. And I, um, I, I, I saw this interesting uh, piece of information that originally came from Sweden and, um, or uh, from the Netherlands. <clears throat> and it said that the Netherlands have announced they will seize 3,000 farms in order to meet the 2030 climate goals. And so farmers are being forced to sell their lands um, that they've owned for generations and generations and now will be um, owned by the state. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because uh, during um, the COVID outbreak and during the beginning of the pandemic, I I was one of the people who said this. I I said, what's going to happen across the world is the moment the virus becomes secondary, it's going to immediately become climate change. And we're going to immediately move into this massive global um, realignment around climate change. And when I look historically, whenever governments are taking over property, you end up in totalitarian uh, governments. You end up with extreme socialism or fascism or or um, you know, Nazism or communism or socialism. And it's it's a dangerous thing. And so I, I just thought it was an interesting thing. You know, is is it, is it morally appropriate to seize 3,000 farms to meet the 2030 climate change goals? Is is that now the overarching morality of we have to save the planet, so whatever we need to do, uh, we need to do that, and it's then um, morally justifiable. And I don't know uh, if either one of you had a thought on that, Aaron or Brooke, especially, you know, um, but I just think that's an interesting thing. Is that is that going to be the new trend that governments are now going to limit our freedoms? They're going to begin to uh, control our movements and activities um, under the umbrella, or I could say the guise, of um, of meeting climate change goals. Mm.
2: <laughs> They're considering mm.
0: <laughs> Come on, Greta. Let's hear you.
2: No, no, no. They're considering them like, Peak polluters is what they're calling them, um, and the nitrogen minister, which is a hilarious title, um, <laughs> said that <laughs> she said that farmers are going to be offered more than a hundred percent of the value of their farms to quit, but they have until the end of the year to either innovate to drastically reduce emissions, transition to a new business, relocate, or voluntarily stop. And if they don't do any of those things by the end of the year, next year they'll be um, forced to buy them out. Forced buyouts is what they're calling it.
1: And so whatever language you use, the government is going to confiscate mm-hmm. their wealth, their property, mm-hmm. um, for their overarching political goals.
2: Yes. Well, yeah. True? Tricky to say political goal. Yeah, it's a political goal. Would say yeah. why? I, the, I think
0: I think I think they would say it's an environmental goal.
2: Yeah. What's the difference?
0: Well, it's the, the means in which it is done makes it political.
1: Once you become an authoritarian dictatorship, when you start imposing the laws on the private citizen like this, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's a political action. It's not an environmental action. I don't know. I don't have nothing. I have nothing. I don't care about
0: this. The, the Netherlands. I live in America. <laughs> I literally don't care. It's not even it's that I don't. Really no, let me. What? You know what I'm gonna care? Is when our yeah. socialist government decides to to let's act like Netherlands.
2: That's what it's gonna be. They're gonna be used as a model.
0: Okay, right. hold on. Because
1: okay. I, I said this a few years. I'd like, ago. To, I'd I'd like to redact. <laughs> <laughs> a few years on battle ready, I talked about the the Chinese um speaker at Ted, who talked about how China has now the technology for citizens to report each other to the government when they're not meeting the environmental climate change goals, mm-hmm. and so now they created a system of of uh, patrolling and policing every single citizen. And at the TED conference, which is supposed to be the epitome of liberalism and freedom, they were advocating this level of a police state in the United States. Now the Netherlands are creating a police state where they're taking farms away. It is odd that Bill Gates is spending so much money buying the farms across the United States. And, and I, as a nation, historically, you know that it's the mid America, it's the, it's the blue collar, it's the farmers that actually keep the United States a, a really a, a free and healthy democracy. And if you don't produce your own food, and if you don't have the capacity to uh, take care of your own people. You're you're now a slave to other nations' productivity. And so what is the Netherlands going to do if they're going to seize whatever, 3,000 farms? And are they going to become dependent on China or Russia or someone else to provide their food? Who exactly is going to farm it? If no one can farm it, how are we going to eat? And, and if you're going to eliminate the farms based on, on um, environmental issues, what about the millions and millions and millions of people who are starving to death around the world? Are you completely indifferent to the global poverty that's taking place outside of just the environmental issues? Okay, a couple questions, a couple questions.
0: You're very heated about this, and this is a hot take. I appreciate it, I understand it, I receive it, I hear you. Just want you to know. Um, but also, I, I don't care. And this is why, because someone called me grumpy on YouTube, and you know what? I am sometimes. And this is why. (laughs) The only thing about the Netherlands that I like is that they aren't in America. And they're not America.
1: No, you love... I do not love their
0: soccer team. Their soccer team embarrassed us at the World Cup. (laughs) I don't know. I don't don't like anything about them, except for the people that I'm sure are wonderful. No, but here's the thing. The reality is that this is a case study for what is going to happen around the world. And that's yeah. that's the primary issue, right? Is that we let these uh, wonderful but smaller countries uh, lead the way in certain aspects, but then it isn't really applicable to what goes on in our country. Maybe and maybe not even close to what's going on in China, right? Because obviously we know that China is one of the biggest, has like had the, the biggest industrial revolution in, in their history over the last 50 to 100 years. And they're probably producing more waste and more like causing more damage to the environment than almost anywhere else in the world. That's that's not a factual statement. But you know, you have that many people, there is no there is no comparison to what's going on in the Netherlands to what's going on in China, right? Especially with all of the protests and you have, they're like revealing all of this new data around the government backed factories and XYZ, I guess the capitalistic the capitalism branch of China. What when it comes to the US, I know that we have to look at ourselves first. One of our biggest Downfalls is the fact that uh, we try to provide or police the entire world. We've talked a lot about morality and, and global ethics on this podcast in the past, but I think in this situation, I know that we pay farmers, our government pays farmers not to farm. Yes. In order to regulate. You know, they might say environmental reasons or they might say health and safety. But the reality is that they pay farmers not to farm so that they can regulate grocery prices, can regulate food prices, and it controls supply and demand. We have enough sustenance in this country to probably feed a lot more people than we're feeding now to at least solve the problems in our own country, let alone solve problems in other countries. And yet we do not do specific things and make certain decisions. So I don't want to critique the Netherlands but don't I think we need to get rid of Greta Thunberg's visa to the US I mean keep her in Sweden because that that thing has that thing has spread that's too much that is too much brilliant young person but she has achieved nothing outside of having an opinion which has been this entire generation so here's my issue with the Netherlands and the USA we do need to keep farming and we do need to have some level of accountability inside of our farming inside of our that right we have to figure out what exactly we are doing to destroy the environment right i don't think that what's going on in the netherlands maybe it is maybe i need to go deeper but i know a lot of our issues is in california it's cattle right it's cattle and that's some of the the most um uh, environmentally damaging farming tactics is how you like uh what is it like it's it's the waste and the fertilizing and then like all of the like it's actually the waste management with like the cows And the way that they handle that, that actually ends up being like detrimental to the environment. Uh, Who decides these things? Who should decide these things? Should Greta be on a board that essentially leads the world, the Netherlands and the U.S. and China and then regulates? I don't really know. At at some point, I guess the question that I have here is at some point, will all these countries come together and create a sustainable, environmentally friendly board of United Nations? Is that what they're talking
1: about? I don't know. I need to do some more research. Yeah, I think I think eventually they're going to start telling us we cannot eat meat because it will destroy the environment.
2: Well, and now beyond meat is going to like have profit loss, like it's it's destroyed the value of its IPO because it's not doing well. No one wants to eat plant based meat.
1: No, it's terrible. <laughs> no, it, 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 the reason Th- it's this- called the Impossible Burger is because it's impossible to swallow. No. <laughs> Honestly, if the food was
0: if, – if, like, here's, here's, a, here, here's another example. We would all be astronauts if astronaut food was great. We would all be vegans if plant-based food was great. That there, there, We wouldn't kill animals if plant-based food was perfect. If we were like, oh, my gosh, we, we, we achieved the same feeling, the same uh, protein-heavy diet and the same ramifications in our bodies – but the reality is when you eat a veggie burger, you leave the restaurant hungry.
1: Yeah, I'm just going back to my concern is once governments are able to use climate change as a justification for taking private property and monitoring personal um, lifestyle choices, um, we're moving closer and closer toward um, a global totalitarian approach toward government.
2: It's so tricky because farming is not inherently bad. You would never say, I'm a farmer and someone would go, you're destroying the earth.
1: They they are now.
2: (laughs) But Little Greta, little Greta's out there on the
1: farms.
2: (laughs) A certain kind of farming. It's really like um it's not every single kind of farming I think, right? It's mostly farms where they have a lot of livestock and a lot of things like that. I think
1: so. Oh you mean meat?
2: Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Carnivore farming.
0: Yes, I think it's. But I think it, it's. I think it's primarily right. cattle farms and like and chicken farms.
1: Yeah, I'm just. I'm just. I just want to throw up my yellow flag here. We can move on. We don't have to have an opinion on this. I just want to go on record that I think that I, we're going to look back someday and realize that in the same way that uh, COVID and uh, moved us toward quarantines, where people were unquestioning in the loss of their rights and freedoms. Uh, we're we're moving toward a day where um, climate change is going to become the um, the governmental asterisk that legitimizes taking away our personal freedoms. And I think we just need to be aware of that. I just want to address
0: something real quick, Brooke, is that, that I don't wave any flag other than the red, white and blue one that I was born under. And just so that we're establishing this for all of our followers and listeners, that is the American flag. And as much as I do love all the beautiful countries in this world, the Netherlands is not going to tell us and lead us into how we're going to do things in the future in our country. But sadly, the gate that it does open, the door that it does open, the conversation it does open, um, is this idea of control and confusion, right? It does feel like everything that we read, hear, or listen to, or well, I guess hearing and listening is the same thing. Um, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> is that it either tries to confuse us or it tries to uh, control us. And I think that's the danger with this, right? We look at the ramifications of COVID. We are living our free lives now in Los Angeles, but you look at people in Shanghai and they're not living in a free world, right? Yeah. And, and, and so you look at these different countries and I do think it is beautiful to clarification because the Netherlands flag is also red, white, and blue. That is not the same.
2: Those so the Puerto Rican flag. I was hoping you were going to say that's the flag you were waving.
1: Just for my husband. Uh, Brooke, <laughs> I, I could tell you had something you wanted to say. Say it, Brooke.
2: I do not remember what it was. We am talking about I mean, Brooke, Indoors and-
1: do, you, do you feel like there's um, any oh. danger of nations or governments using climate change as a way of creating um, maybe overreach for control over people's personal lives?
2: I do. And I will say if Battle Ready has taught me anything, it's taught me to question everything (laughs) and to hold no one without suspicion. I think that's one of the most (laughs) important things I've learned was to question the things that I am told because I have a very high respect for authority. I like when people tell me what to do. I find it clarifying and I find that it eliminates confusion. So it's good to have a back of thought process of, well, should I, should I do that?
1: is that funny? You're the young person. I'm the old guy, and I'm the anarchist. I know it's crazy. But I was
0: having like I was having like an emotional breakdown a couple hours ago because I just sat in this this Berkman training for four and a half hours.
2: I can uh, feel that in you. You've been on a roller coaster of emotion. I was calling my
0: dad. I'm like, I think I'm having an anxiety attack. I I don't like people telling me what to do in general. What's
2: the What's the Berkman? The Berkman? Berkman, oh, I can
0: tell you, not a trick question. The Berkman is a personality self-perception assessment that has been validated through countless hours, even generations of research and analytics. It is a science-based questionnaire in which made up of nine two 298 questions. Oh, wow. Why? They didn't do 300? I don't know. But honestly, I think John Berkman just tried <laughs> to get me. It really messes with my OCD to be fully honest. Um,
2: <laughs> At least, so it's on, an what? Number. At least it's an even number.
0: No, two nine eight. That's such an ugly number.
2: I didn't say it was fulfilling; just that it was even.
0: <laughs> no, it gives me anxiety to be fully honest.
2: <laughs> oh, but, but I but he, okay. Go ahead. No, no, I'll go. No, here's my question: Is there anything, anything that could happen on planet Earth, an asteroid? a volcano appearing at the top of Canada and spilling over us. Is there anything that could happen that would be worth surrendering our freedom to one authoritative body to ensure safety or anything? Is there, is I, have, there anything- I have an
0: answer. Yeah. If the Lord Jesus Christ comes down from heaven. We all <laughs> surrender. <laughs> it's the only reason until like- then Brooke, we will defend our rights. We'll defend our freedoms. And all of the constitutional rights—you know which it's ones like I'm talking about.
2: Independence Day, Will Smith. You know, aliens are coming. Something is coming. I'm the only one who knows. You just have to listen to me,
1: Brooke. What I do love is I love your sweet
2: naivete posture. <laughs> no, Brooke yeah. is being fake right no, now.
1: No, no, this sweet that Brooke an is asteroid, the
0: version of you.
1: If yeah. an asteroid hit the Earth or a volcano began consuming the planet. I love the fact that you think the government would actually care about you.
2: Oh, sad. (laughs) Even if they said, travel north, if only to break the flow of lava before it hits D.C., you know, with our bodies.
1: (laughs) I think if there's a cosmic um, (laughs) crisis, we're pretty much all left to our own capacity to survive. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so oh. we better be good at making decisions. But um uh, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs>
2: That's a good title too. Good at making decisions.
1: Yes. Yes. I, I again, it's like Brooke, this is why in life it's so important um to be grateful for whatever structures are out there that make life better for us. Mm-hmm. You know, I I mean, I'm grateful we have good roads to drive on, you know, I'm grateful we have clean water to drink um and um a a well functioning government has made those things happen for us mm-hmm. so there are definitely things that we need good government to um uh to make happen and uh, and you know just on a serious note so i i'm grateful that somehow as imperf- imperfect as humanity is as imperfect as any government is the fact that um we have made the quality of life better and better uh is pretty extraordinary And, um, and, and then even when I look at like the issues of, um, you know, justice and equality and economic equity and everything, um, the advances that humanity has made, not just the United States, uh, but you know, that where we came from as a, as a, as a species is nothing like what we're experiencing today. Mm -hmm. And we, we have a better world and we're moving toward a better world and people are expecting the government's. Have social responsibility, and that they put the you know the the freedoms and the um, the rights of individuals uh, you know uh, above the government's own power. So I, okay, I, I have, a question I, I have a question. I have a question. I have a question. I have a
0: question. Yeah. So it one we don't know enough about the details to so you know what kind of farm yeah. practicing that they're that they're conducting, but should there be regulate like regulations globally on how countries? Do affect the environment because, to some degree, there are. I guess there are like I guess there's probably UN summit uh, commitments that that countries make. What
2: for the countries that agree to work together? They are, yeah,
0: right. But like at some point, Dad, right? Because California has just said that they're not no longer going to be selling, I guess, gas-powered cars, diesel-powered cars from 2035 in Los Angeles. You cannot buy them, but you know that people are just going to go to somewhere else and then buy it and then register it in California or register it in okay. Arizona and then come over to the US. Sorry, could come over to LA, what'd you say? I
2: said yeah. Arizona,
0: yeah. Arizona, yeah, right, so like, it really isn't gonna change far. things. But you brought this up in a conversation, everyone's moving to solar and solar is also detrimental to the environment because it causes so much energy to actually
1: create solar panels. Yeah, we, we don't have a, an elegant solution yet. You know, even if you 100% are committed to, you know, environmental responsibility and to moving toward an expression of of being human that is in complete agreement and alignment with nature, um, we we don't have an elegant solution, you know, yet, and and that's that's a part of the challenge of it. But but I do think that governments are inclined toward overreach and and you know you can see it from both sides you you can see it from like in the United States from the conservative side, there's always an a, an attempt for overreach in terms of um the moral um the moralization of society we you know it just it just seems like Republicans want to force people to agree and live out from their moral constructs and then you have liberals who um do the same thing they have a different set of morality, and they want every American to live out their moral constructs
2: what is a liberal's morality
1: you don't think liberals have morality Brooke
2: I want to know like a, a conservative's morality I feel like is generally more Christian what's or like Christian based what's the orientation of like a liberal morality
1: well a morality be based on something that isn't relative but if you don't do this you're wrong okay and so um from from the left side it would be Um, climate change. If you're not pro, if you're not pro choice, you're wrong. Okay. If you're not green, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. If, um, and by the way, even if, um, if you don't believe in a gender transition for children, you're wrong.
2: That other thing you said earlier was, was really, um,
1: you know, and so there are, there's definitely like, it's not a matter of, oh, we have different positions on this. Um, I'll just pull one up right here. I saw this. It, it said the uh, House Democrats on Thursday unanimously voted to block legislation that would have required informed parental consent before a, sk- a school provides mental health services related to sexual orientation or gender identity to students. And so the government is actually imposing a, a moral construct saying um, it's immoral for a parent to know if their child is going to go through gender or um, re- uh, reorientation. And what I think is fascinating, I saw this this last week is that some, a parent was going to send, be sent to a jail, I guess um, for allowing their 10 year old child to get a tattoo. And, and so you cannot have, you cannot allow your child to get a tattoo, but you can allow them to go through gender transition. And I, I, and so I, I, so yes, there, there is, there are moral contracts on both sides that actually believe that they're right. And that if you don't agree with them, um, you're, you're actually immoral. And, uh, and you know, and so they're, they're, and so yes, Brooke, I do think that both sides have their own view of what is right and wrong. And, um, and it, it, in, in, and what's to me is fascinating is, um, As a parent, you know, my kids are adults now, you know, and now I have a granddaughter with Juno. The idea that the educational system should have more control, more knowledge, and more personal relationship with my child in dealing with uh, their gender identity uh, is absurd. It, again, it's, it's another example of government overreach. I begin with farms, but... You can take this all the way to children, and who exactly has the right and uh, to decide how far government can reach into our personal lives, into our personal choices and um, and and so it's no longer a, um, a, a an argument of you need to be open-minded toward other people. You need to allow other people to make the choices they want. Now it's if you don't agree with our choices. You're actually immoral. You're actually wrong. And it will, And you may actually be um, doing something that's illegal.
2: I feel like one of the arguments is, well, if you don't want the government to make decisions about your kid, don't send them to public school. But it feels like the entire, our entire country was built, it like runs on the, the, the like running of public school, that kids go somewhere for eight hours a day. And parents can hold full-time jobs and that that school is free so there's no there's no escaping public school for like 99 of parents
1: that's right and public schools are supposed to be a reflection of an, uh, an extension of a parent's investment in their child it's not supposed to be an extension of the government's investment in our child in communist countries Schools are an extension of the government. In our country, schools are supposed to be an extension of the family system and the community. It's a dramatically different construct that we've subtly shifted. And now we think that parents don't have a right to be involved in their children's education. And that it's that's actually the government's role. And I'm going, no, my six-year-old child is... My responsibility, not the government's responsibility, not the school system's responsibility. And the school system needs to reflect our value systems, not someone else's value systems. So that, that's my position on that. And I think that's why I think that farming is just one way that governments are moving into overreach. And, and I'm not a farmer. I shouldn't care. But I do care when governments use a large banner like climate change to say, this is why we're going to take away first, a private property and going, ah, makes me nervous. Just makes me nervous. I'm just saying that um, that I, I don't know if that's um, a good precedent. Maybe I'll be proven wrong.
0: Okay. So something that's interesting that's happened this week is we started our live Q&A uh, for the 7 Frequencies Art of Communication uh, right. Masterclass, uh, which, is, which is exciting. This is fun. So obviously... Uh, they get to spend three weeks with you, four sessions, and ask questions, break down the seven frequencies, get into it and as we have like we've been talking about the seven frequencies art of com world. We were talking about Art of com and all the different ways we kind of build it out, and one of the things I thought about was talking about the different
1: styles in culture of communication this next week, every Tuesday night I'll be doing a live q and a around the seven frequencies. Seven frequencies of communication and it'll be, is it 6 p.m. L.A. time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nine sir. 9 p.m. New York time. And then everyone else around the world can figure out what hour actually connects with them. And everyone who has purchased the seven frequencies gets to be a part of this live q and I want to encourage everyone to join us. It's going to be so much fun. By the way, I think it's interesting. There's this article. I'm going to make the strangest connection between the World Cup and the seven frequencies because there was an article that came out that said the unique thing about this World Cup is how every single team has a different style. And and so you even see like a a cultural expression between uh, England and France and Brazil and Spain and the Netherlands. And and when you're watching these different teams play, you actually see almost a cultural expression of who they are. And it's almost as if all these teams play on a different frequency, which is kind of um, uh, fascinating to me. And but That's interesting that you say that, because I feel like they actually
0: all speak the same language when it comes to football. They all speak the same language? They all speak the same language. Even when they're speaking different languages inside of – their their own, I guess, culture. It the the same language is football. They all speak football. They all complain <laughs> about the same things. They all fall in the same penalty boxes. It's interesting watching a guy from Uruguay behave the same way as Serbia would behave. You know, given you guys from Uruguay followed the reps into the tunnel. Like, I don't know if you have a culture that's less like disciplined, but it's interesting to watch the different teams. Uh, almost pick up these like these similar chari- characteristics in the way that they communicate with the refs with each other. Goalies react the same way when there's a shot on goal. Like they all start cussing out all the defenders <laughs> on their team. Like their you know team. what they're saying, <laughs> and it's so interesting because like you look at these guys and you're like, okay, I I don't know what you're saying, I understand what you're saying. So I I'd be I'd be curious to for you to kind of break down the nuances within that general language of like whether it's physical or it's behavioral, but there's something super interesting to me, I think.
1: Yeah. When you look at teams like Argentina and, um, or Brazil, you, you see teams that are much more fluid. There's a, a more of a dynamic to them. It's, it's, it's almost like their style is, is more Plato. It's not that they're not disciplined. It's that it's more jazz and there's more unexpected, um, uh, adaptability and then you watch teams like England play or even um, like the Netherlands, it's much more stoic. It's, it's much more um, controlled. It's much more disciplined and uh, it feels like Legos to me. And, uh, and, and, and so you, you, you do kind of see a cultural um, contrast between the different teams. And, you know, and so when you look at different teams, even though they have great players on them, uh, you do have a, a cultural Difference, But you're right about the way they communicate internally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and you do see a lot of the similar responses from different players and different people. But you've watched some of them grow like a Bobby responds differently. messy definitely responds, I, I think, differently. The best players than what differently than what? Than the normal player. Like, I, I think that that ironically, oh, I don't players, think so at
0: all. You don't? I think it's it's over dramatized. The bigger the star is
1: the the, the bigger the star they are, what? the bigger the
0: star the bigger the language the smaller the star the less the language and less the frequency because they don't no one cares about them like, like the, the small star isn't falling on the guys in the, the defense aren't falling on the ground crying because literally defenders are like the the garbage men of, of the game like your your one goal is to not lose right but the, <laughs> but you know and it's, it, it, there's like a classism inside of soccer right like defenders are meant to be strong stoic, verbal, and defenseman. Like they protect the goal at all costs. The strikers are the pretty boys. They have the dyed (laughs) hair. Like, who's the guy (laughs) on our team? McKinley, McKinney, McKinley? The one who went Uh, to the hospital? No, the guy who, no, no, that's ballistic. The guy with the red, white, and blue hair? I know you're talking about, I can't remember his last name. McKinney, I think. But anyways, embarrassing, bro. Cut your hair. So crazy, but it's that's the thing is that like the guys on the front, the guys who are like the scorers, they're always have like this showmanship about them. They're more flamboyant. Rick Carlson is like
1: bleached blonde hair. I'm like, bro, you look like you look like Iceman, yeah. But to me, the exception (laughs) to that is Messi, he's not flamboyant at all. He's just he's got his whole arm tattooed. Whole arm tattooed. So many of them are tatted up though. Is is that
2: flamboyant? You have a lot of tattoos. Are you flamboyant?
1: yeah, Yeah, Aaron McManus. I'm a little flamboyant,
0: a little peacock. <laughs> All I'm saying is that there is a unique way in which they express themselves. And I think the bigger the star, the louder the language.
1: I don't know. I think the bigger the star, the, the calmer they are in the midst of crisis. And it's, it's my read a lot of times is that when a, when, a, when a star gets emotionally out of control, he doesn't play his best like when when i see another team get under the star's skin i find the star becomes less productive and when i see that star being incredibly calm um, i find them to elevate to an extraordinary level and didn't you feel like mbappe's goals he just acted like i i'm supposed to do that i think i think there is a respect and i think the first goal it's big the second goal
0: is smaller and the third goal it's like we, we've been here before because we're not trying to humiliate the other team. You know? Yeah. I think Definitely. so. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's different, right? Yeah. The guy who scored against, um, was it the guy who scored against Brazil from Cameroon? He's a legend, mm-hmm. but he took his shirt off and got a red card and got kicked out. And he's like, I don't care. It's my last World <laughs> Cup, but I scored against Brazil. And he like took it, you know, it's,
1: if you take your shirt off, it's an automatic red. So I, yeah, I, that's. Pretty- I do- he hasn't really yeah. scored that many times before and he wasn't ever going to score again. So like he had the milk. He had to enjoy that moment. <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. But let me, let me now jump to seven frequencies. So I did this little survey on my DMs and I said, um, what TV shows or movies or characters would you be interested in me breaking down the seven frequencies of communication? And frankly, I was kind of shocked by one of them. And I didn't even know that um, your generation even knew this show really existed. But I was swarmed with people who asked about Friends.
2: Yeah. Oh, I hate
1: Friends. And I, Brooke, you watch, you watch Friends? I do. I love Friends. And Austin? I've seen every episode.
2: I remember watching the last I finale, hate, the series I finale with my mom. It was the biggest deal. Like, but you guys I, are
1: too young. Like Friends was over before you guys could read. <laughs>
2: I can't believe <laughs> for sure. But it's like, no, it's like,
1: yeah.
2: is it politically correct at all? No. no. Like, But that's kind of one of the joys about watching old sitcoms is you just, they would never write the stuff they say now.
1: No, no, that's so true. So I was surprised. How many people were interested in Friends? And I'd have to go back and and watch Friends to be able to do any kind of diagnosis or <laughs> assessment. And then, frankly, a lot of people asked me about shows I've never seen I mean, ever. Some of them I've never even heard of. So I thought, wow! I thought I watched a lot of shows, and I, I am completely unaware of the, <laughs> what these shows are. And so I decided I can't do those shows because I've never heard of them. Okay. But the second highest show that I was asked about, be, be, behind Friends, because Friends was number one, was Secession. Woo! And now, if you're listening and you've never watched Secession, I'm not recommending you go watch Secession at all. You
2: can't recommend it. No.
1: No, because it's, it's a pretty, uh, you know, hard show. and. Um, but it's good. But um, I, 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 I know enough. To be able to do an assessment, so I went ahead and did my seven frequencies of secession. Now these are not um, these are not uh, scripture. <laughs> these, these are not what the Catholic would call ex cathedra. The, these are not um, inspired and infallible. This is just how I I, I began to break it down. And um, Austin, you watch secession, don't you? I've never seen it actually. You've never seen an episode, Brooke.
2: We love Succession. Austin, are you like a Billions person? Some some people like Billions and they won't watch Succession.
1: Right. I've never I, seen I, Billions. I don't watch a lot of TV. I love Billions. And it was hard for me to feel like I cheated on Billions and watched the pilot of Succession.
2: <laughs> and...
1: Uh, and I remember calling Aaron and I said, Hey, I think you might want to check out the show called Secession because I can recommend it to him. And Aaron's like, nah, I'm a billions guy. <laughs> you remember that? At first you were not interested. <laughs> I tried to, I, no, I was not interested, but
0: I did try to watch it and it was so brutal. It's
1: yeah. Had, like
0: it's really slow and really negative and I wasn't into it. So I, I, yeah. I. And and on the other side, I think I was already you know three or four seasons into Billions, and it was yeah. It's definitely not from the outside looking in. It's similar, but when you're once you're inside, you realize that you're you're, you're looking at two very different machines. So
1: yeah, the two closest shows I would say are Secession and Yellowstone.
0: Oh, ish. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think Yellowstone is the um, the right wing version of Secession, which is the left wing version of. Um, of wealth, you know, pr- perspective on wealth and yellow. You know, I you, you, you have the two iconic fathers, you have three sons, you have one daughter. I mean, there's, there's a lot of similarities in, um, in these two shows, uh, both of them, the, the mom has passed away. I mean, the, the framework for the shows are identical. No, the mom has not died in succession. The original mom is gone. He remarried. divorce. Oh, oh no, she's still alive. Divorced. Right. Remember, she yeah. Divorced. Yeah. England. And yeah. that is the difference with Yellowstone and Secession. In Secession. They're divorced, and Yellowstone. He's a widow.
2: One's a Disney That's the movie. That's cultural and-
1: difference. <laughs> and uh, and, um, and so for anyone who watches Secession, here, here's 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 my uh, go at it. All right. So uh, it's the Roy family, and Logan Roy. He's the um, he's the, the number iconic number. father. Uh, who's the founder of this multi-billion dollar conglomerate and his frequency is clearly commander. Oh, oh and before I go any further, I want to like say something because when when people asked me about I I kind of blanked out. I looked at all the characters and I thought, I can't identify a single frequency. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, like, Did I just, is this, somehow, am I missing this whole thing? And how could they not have a single frequency of the seven frequencies? And then I realized every frequency was the negative of the actual frequency.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: They were the shadow, like the dark shadow of that frequency. So you can't identify it at first. You have to actually look at the negative. And then I began researching All the people, people were asked me to assess and I realized almost every single character on television or film that anyone asked me to assess their frequency was a negative frequency. Huh? There wasn't a single positive frequency that people were asking me about. And I thought, what's going to happen to a generation that's being raised up with negative frequencies of communication? They're going to think that's the natural inherent way their frequency is supposed to be used. Mm. So even though Logan Roy's frequency is commander, his actualized frequency is the dictator. Mm. He's a dictator. He doesn't just lead. He doesn't just tell you what to do. He controls you emotionally, psychologically, relationally, Mm -hmm. spiritually, in every way humanly possible. And dominates your soul until you are crushed into submission. Logan Roy is the dictator, and imagine if he could flip that frequency to a positive frequency to lead his family and lead his company, and uh, and use his wealth and power to do positive good in the world and actually be a commander rather than a dictator. And so, Brooke and Aaron, if you're if you're there, uh, you can deny or confirm if you think this is a, a right read on that character. What do you think, Brooke?
2: That's right. He's a dictator. He's like, he's like a dictator wing, wing challenge manipulator.
1: <laughs> all right, we'll get to wings in a minute. All right, <laughs> all right, Aaron, you you with me? I'm here. All right. There so isn't Logan's, really another option for him. Logan, <laughs> that's the easiest one. Like he's yeah. clearly the dictator, the commander, and then yeah. we'll we'll add some others. Um, Shiv. The, the 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 daughter, the sister. No, no, no. Go, to go. You
0: gotta go in succession. For you,
1: succession,
0: want to go... you have to go in succession.
1: Okay, Kendall? Kendall. You gotta, yeah, you gotta
0: go Kendall. You gotta hey, go to the oldest old son. son. Actually he's no. Oldest
2: Connor. Connor. He's
0: Oh, actually I the oldest. forget no. about that bum.
2: Everyone forgets about Connor. I
0: yes, and that's why like Connor's dead. near the bottom. I didn't want to <laughs> I didn't want to correct you because I was like, oh man, he doesn't have three sons. He has two sons: the dumb hus- hu- husband, and then the uh, and then I forgot Connor. is yes.
1: Connor. Yeah, and the difference wow. between Secession and Yellowstone is that Connor might as well be dead, yeah. and the other son in Yellowstone is dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No. Spoiler uh,
0: alert.
1: Sorry about that. That's <laughs> and um. Uh, uh, well, that's the pilot. I mean, if you can't get past the pilot, you don't deserve <laughs> to be protected. All right. So I'm going to go the second. I'll go with Kendall. I think Kendall is actually this, a seer. I think he's the seer. But the reason you can't see that he's a visionary is that his, his frequency is the negative frequency. And he's a perfectionist. And a part of the way you can know that Kendall is a um, is a perfectionist is the psychological breakdown that he has in his life. because of his inability to escape his own imperfection. Mm-hmm. And and so what I see so oftentimes is that people who are actually seers, who are natural visionaries, who are crafted to see the future and create it, they actually self-destruct because they're so unforgiving of themselves to not be able to live up to their vision, not be able to live up to their ideals, that they actually uh, allow their perfectionism to crush them and destroy them. And so that's why I think Kendall is actually a perfectionist. He's a, he actually has the frequency of a seer. And then he, there's this one hilarious scene where he tries to cast vision and it's so you know, disturbing <laughs> that you're wondering what's he talking about. He's a broken seer.
2: Oh, sad. You think the seer frequency has the biggest like disposition toward mental breakdown?
1: Um, like, obviously why? everyone has some disposition toward make, mental breakdown, but I do think that seers have a high disposition. Yeah. Toward mental breakdown. Because they're driven by ideals. Mm
2: -hmm. They're driven
1: by a vision for the future. And if their life doesn't reflect that, it destroys them.
2: Yes. And his dad is his ceiling. Yeah. Endlessly killing his vision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. His dad doesn't want him to have a vision. His dad wants him to obey. Mm Mm-hmm. And that becomes destructive. And then you have, I'm going to go to Shiv, who's the sister, who, who to me is the third most dominating personality. And she is a challenger but because she's working from a negative frequency she's a manipulator
2: Mm.
1: and she just she's a puppet master she knows how to string people along she knows how to control them she knows how to work through a situation she knows how to act nice she knows how to act mean she knows how to be invisible she knows how to be visible and uh, she's a classic manipulator but when you listen to her the way she interacts with people she's actually a challenger She's always calling people out and, but never calling them up (laughs) (laughs) because it's a negative frequency. So she calls them out and actually brings them down Mm. rather than calls them up. And I I think she's also probably the one who has the greatest leadership potential of all the different characters in secession. And, but, and as a, as a challenger, her mistake is when she tried to challenge her father Logan, mm-hmm. who is a commander, dictator, and she tried to challenge her brother, Kendall. And, uh, and whenever she does that, because it's such a dysfunctional environment, she realizes she'll be more effective manipulating them than she would be challenging them.
2: Mm-hmm. But she challenges her husband to his detriment, to both yeah. of their detriment all the time.
1: Yeah, and she challenges him to do things that are actually destructive for his own life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: by making him feel like dirt by making him feel like he's not good enough by making him feel like he hasn't stepped up and risen up to the challenge yeah and so yeah it's it's an interesting frequency it's a powerful i mean if you want to study in the negative effect of these frequencies this may be the best case study in the world and then you have ronin who's the other brother roman's frequency is that he's a, a motivator but it's a negative frequency so he's a performer Everything in his life is about learning how to perform, learning how to pretend, learning. You never see his real self.
2: No, he never wants to try. What's that? He never wants to try because he'll fail. So he performs his way out of actually trying.
1: Yeah. And even he performs at being incompetent. He's not incompetent. He performs at being incompetent. He's not stupid, but he performs at being stupid. Mm-hmm. He becomes whatever he thinks he needs to survive. You, you never really get a clear picture into Roman's soul. You have small glimpses of moments. And, and I think a part of it is that I think as a motivator, um, I think motivators are more fragile to negative input. Uh, they, they do not do well in negative environments. And so they begin to shatter when they're not affirmed, when they're not loved, when they're not appreciated, when they're not told that they have value. I think Roman's entire life is to just try to be what he thinks everyone else wants him to be. And when he doesn't think he can be that he becomes the opposite and performs in the opposite direction.
2: Do you think challengers and motivators, um, like naturally get along well?
1: Uh, not always, because a motivator may get sick and tired of that challenger always challenging them.
2: Well, I was trying to think in the show. Roman has an extremely dysfunctional relationship with uh, a cougar named Jerry, who's an executive in mm-hmm. the company. Right. I was like, which one of these would Jerry be, and why I, does it twist them when they're together?
1: I left Jerry untouched right now. I thought about her, but I'm just going with seven. <laughs> and so you'll have to you'll have to send me your thoughts on Jerry. And then I have Connor, which is like the more obscure character, right? And I actually think that Connor is a healer. I think his frequency is the healing frequency. And I have a really good argument for it. It's why he wants to marry a prostitute. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And, uh, because he wants, he wants to fix somebody. And, uh, because he's so broken, he has to find someone more broken than him Hmm. to heal. And that I think his negative frequency is he's the guru. And, and the irony of it all is that he wants to be president of the United States, even though he has no qualifications and, uh, and he doesn't actually have a contribution he wants to make, except that he wants to be loved and followed. Uh And, and you can feel that Connor's entire life is about wanting to be loved Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, never having his father's affection and love. And he doesn't want, he he doesn't want to be famous for fame. He doesn't want to be rich for wealth. He doesn't want to be powerful for power. He wants all of the things that he thinks might actually gain him his father's love. Yeah. And so I think Connor is a broken healer (laughs) (laughs) uh, who has a cult of self.
2: (laughs) There's a hundred acre ranch in New Mexico, right? Like yes, his, his it's perfect. He's, cool. he's, got,
1: he's got the therapy place. He's got the spa. <laughs> he has, yeah, he has a meditation center. He is the perfect guru. He perfect. has zero followers. <laughs> and even even the girl who decides to marry him, it's just like, okay, why not? You know?
2: Yeah, that was literally wasn't that her response to his proposal? Oh, why not?
1: Like, and that's how you know he's a healer, because. He doesn't even expect to be loved. Oh. And he just wants someone who chooses him. Sad. And um and then I have Tom.
2: Sweet Tom.
1: And Tom is my professor. And his um negative frequency is that he's a micromanager. And you know, Tom is afraid to be right. He's afraid to be wrong. (laughs) Tom Tom is just researching and trying to figure out what information he needs to survive. (laughs) And and because of that, what's so ironic about Tom is he micromanages all the wrong things.
2: All the wrong things.
1: (laughs) And uh, and so he's fixing things that are too broken for him to fix. And, uh, and, he knows that his wife Shiv doesn't love him,
2: yeah.
1: but he all, but he knows that he brings enough to the table for her to, in a utilitarian way to need him. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, and so I, I picked Tom as my professor. He's my micromanager. He's my guy who lacks a big picture and, um, <laughs> and he doesn't really know what he wants out of his life. He he's just, trying to get enough information to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, any thoughts on my guys so far? No, I think you're, I mean, you are the creator of the, of
0: the test.
2: Yeah, we're not going to disagree with the theater.
0: Disagree All right, so here's, no, here it is. Think it's a, I think it's a unique look at things because I think it's, 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 a, it's obviously a cast in a character group that's completely negative with mm-hmm. glimpses of hope that are absolutely destroyed by it's more true. negative
1: Yes, that's or, so true.
0: Or, or, or childhood <laughs> trauma. Um, so what do you do when, when you're stuck in the negative of the frequency? You, like you call it kind of the shadow self or the dark shadow.
1: Well, let me give you my last one, then I'll answer that question. Is that okay? I mean, you are going to do
0: what you wanted to do anyway, so. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't really know why not. you asked me what I thought. I tried to carry a conversation. Here we are.
1: All right. What do you do when you're negative? First of all, if you're using your negative frequency all the time, you're probably in a negative environment and a negative culture. So my first thing is get out.
0: Oh, <laughs> get out of that ah, environment. What if you're the one creating it? Then get it out of you. How yeah, do you know money. if you're if you're if you're the one creating it or if you're in a toxic environment? That's actually a really good question. Um, because I think anyone under the age of 27 would say my environment's toxic, so i have to leave.
1: Yeah. One, I would say that you get you get to say that twice. <laughs> and uh, if you said that three times, it's you. If, if your parents were toxic and then your job's toxic and your high school was toxic and your girlfriend was toxic, it's you. <laughs> so if everything around you turns toxic, you're what's actually making the water toxic.
2: You're poisoning the well.
1: You're poisoning the well. So you have to, and, but, but by the way, that doesn't mean you're the only one that's toxic. It's probably that you surround yourself with toxic people because they're the only people that don't judge you. They're the only ones that don't hold you to a higher standard. And so if you're going to be toxic, you have to be around toxic people. Otherwise, people are going to call you out that's or people are going to throw you out of their, of their friend circle, their, their group circle. And and so I think some of it is you have to begin to take ownership of your thoughts is the beginning point because uh, you can't take ownership of your words until you take ownership of your thoughts. Mm. And if your mind is always going to negative toxic information, if your mind is always talking, if your self-talk is the negative frequency, then your group talk is going to be the negative frequency. So you have to begin by changing your self-talk. And it's, 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 this is really true. I know it, it sounds a little bit of a, of a, like a cliche, but you need to stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself is the way people would describe it, mm. that you need to stop listening to the inner voices that are negative and start talking to yourself and speaking to yourself the, from a positive frequency. And, uh, and so if you're, if you're a pessimist, you need to realize all your inner voices are going to be a pessimist. And uh, but you have to actually then begin to speak to yourself from a new place, new ideas, new thoughts, new dreams, new future, and uh, and so if you find yourself um, even like if you're let's just say you're in the negative space of being a performer because you're afraid people won't accept you and love you for who you are, you you have to begin to reverse that internal self talk, stop performing to yourself, and 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 start. Telling yourself the truth about what you're feeling in life, what you want to accomplish in life, and what you want to get done. And one of the things that I found that really makes a difference is making promises to yourself of things you're going to do that will bring behavioral change to who you are, and then keeping those promises to yourself. Because it, it is an amazing thing that when you make a promise to yourself and you keep a promise to yourself, it actually makes you stronger. Hmm. And and you and you really don't keep promises to other people if you don't keep the promises to yourself. Hmm.
2: What's an example? And, uh,
1: and so I think that's a good starting point. Um, all right. So Aaron, I answered your question. So I'm going to go to number seven because number seven is my albatross. Number seven is you my one of my questions. Okay. okay. That's fine. All right. Well, my number seven is Greg who's also a main character. And um and I think this is like my secret weapon. I think Greg is a maven. <laughs> and and I know that's crazy. I think I think Greg is going to be the surprise character that actually has some super inventive, creative, futuristic, mind-blowing idea that in some season is going to shape the game. Because Greg's negative frequency is that he's a pessimist. Greg thinks something bad's going to happen to him every day.
2: Something bad does happen to Greg like every day. <laughs> he's like a magnet for bad things.
1: He thinks bad things are going to happen, bad things happen. It reaffirms his worldview. And by the way, if you think bad things are going to happen to you, bad things are going to happen to you. <laughs> and, uh, you will be a magnet to, to like negative consequences in your life. And, and, you know, and so I I look back and I think, okay, I used to be very depressed when I was a kid. I really struggled with negative thoughts. I I struggled with, um, with terminal thoughts and really destructive thoughts. And, um, and I didn't begin to change externally until I began to take control over my inner world. And I started creating disciplines of saying, telling myself positive things and forcing myself toward positive perspectives, I I began reorienting what I looked at and looked for in life. I looked for beautiful things. I looked for inspiring things. I looked for human behavior that was encouraging, inspiring. I looked for the heroic in people. I looked for beauty in nature. I looked for surprise and wonder all around me. And that orientation began to change me. It, It really did. And and so, Aaron, if I think I'm trying to answer you, both your questions, that uh, what you do when you find that you're the toxic person is you have to own it, and maybe you have to have someone in your life that's a friend that is in that um, inner friend group on Instagram. Close <laughs> <Yeah, most> friend. <laughs> uh, going back to the beginning here, and uh, um, and say, hey, look, I've come to a realization that I've become a toxic person. And that I have taken on behavior patterns that are toxic. And I want to thank you for being my friend in spite of that. And uh, because there are people, in a sense, that are like from what Stephen King would describe, they're, they're sin eaters. You know, there are people who just absorb the toxicity of other people and in a very gracious, loving way, give grace in spite of it. And uh, and if you have someone like that in your life or a couple people in your life, you, you got to go to them and go, hey, I want to become a, a different human being. I want to become a better human being. I do not accept who I am as the status quo of who I'm going to become. I think this is the most challenging thing. A lot of times people. No, know, no, no. Okay, that's the mindset.
0: Yeah. But what exactly do they do?
1: Get around positive people. Okay, so, so that's what you feel yeah. like.
0: If, you're, if the environment's bad and you realize I'm a part of my environment now, I've got to get myself into a new environment.
1: I need to get around some positive, healthy people. I need to get around some people who are accomplishing the kinds of things I want to accomplish. So basically go, what kind of person do I want to become? And then find those kinds of people and get around them as much as you can. That's, that's like one practical thing you can do. And let the gravitational pull of those people's lives pull you up. And then I think another practical thing you can do is read books that change your way of thinking. Mm. And I, I cannot tell you how many books I read between 20 and 40 that radically altered my mental constructs, my mental frameworks. I just read everything I could find that helped me think at a higher level, helped me think at a healthier level. And whenever I found those books, I just devoured them and begin applying those principles in my life as fast as possible. And so that's another thing you can do. I think another thing you can do is to take time every day to realign yourself, uh, whether, you know, whether it's 15 minutes or an hour, whatever you need. And you know and that's why actually reading the Bible and realigning your heart to the scriptures is really helpful. And, and praying is really helpful because if you don't, Consciously align yourself. You're going to go to your worst behavior. So, so you have to realize it takes choice to move toward my best self. Mm. It takes the absence of a sense of choice to move toward my worst self. And so, every day I've got to make choices that align my life so that the best expression of myself is what I live out that day. And then I think the next thing you have to do is stop expecting yourself to change overnight. Hmm. is that um, if you get one good day, you celebrate that one good day. And then you go for two. And, you know, when you have two, you celebrate two good days. And if you have a bad day, the third day, you don't go, oh, I can't change. Instead of saying, oh, I went back to who I really am. You go, no, I had a bad day (sighs) or I had a bad hour, had a bad moment. And now I'm going to go back to being the best version of myself. Don't let Your worst moments become the defining characteristics of who you are. Let the best moments become the defining characteristic going, okay, I had a bad moment. I'm going back to being my best version. All right, I I got depressed. I'm going back toward being hopeful. I got angry going back to being peaceful. You know, I became impatient, but I'm going back to being patient. And, And so let the negative behavior be the exception to your understanding of who you are. Let the positive behavior be the rule of who you are. Does that make sense, Aaron? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's really good. The, the shadow uh, self exception.
1: Austin, you have any thoughts? You want to, anything you want to add? No, I'm, I'm good. You guys did great. <laughs> All right. Well. I think it'd be fun to even look at some other shows and, and break them down in the future, maybe uh, add a one or two and a QA. I think or- we need to
0: bring up clips and then you respond to the clips.
1: Oh, so if you're That's listening to I mean. this episode. No, no, no,
0: no. I'm not asking for anybody's help. Oh. I'm saying okay. we need to prep some clips and just play the clips and have you respond. All right, do it. Let's do it. Despite this, this, you want, this, want people to uh, submit clips?
1: Of What's that?
2: Themselves or of TV?
0: You want people to submit clips of themselves? Where are you going to go with it?
1: No, no. I was going to say, send clips from TV shows or films that are not more than like 30 seconds. So you're not breaking the law or whatever it is, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it has to be of someone's like, uh, it has to be a monologue, really. Mm, to and talk. I need not a monologue. Not really. It could be a conversation. Well, it can be, but it has to like have enough there where I can identify that person's frequency. Ah, okay. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, let's
2: do it. I'm going to play you Gilmore Girls. I'm going to play you every single female-centric show I can find. Jane the Virgin. (laughs) I'm excited.
1: Oh, please don't do Gilmore Girls. (laughs) 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 If it's a monologue, it's going to last like 20 minutes. (laughs)
2: Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Mrs.
1: I'll
2: do marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You, you like that show?
1: I do. Oh, what a
0: bogus show, though! What a, that show just went garbage.
2: I stopped in the second. Went downhill.
1: It went downhill The Third downhill season really was fast. terrible.
2: Mm-hmm. She That's didn't grow as a character. That's no, why it the... so bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's because it had a great idea for one season. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know. <sighs> anyway, but. Because characters have she to needed grow. A, she needed to get outside of her environment.
2: She needed to marry Zachary Levi. That's what she needed to do. And she didn't. She didn't.
1: I just think like us, characters mm-hmm. need to grow. Mm-hmm. And if a character doesn't grow, they're no longer interesting. And if we don't grow, we're no longer interesting.
2: What's What's the really, really saccharine dramatic show about the crockpot that explodes? Like the the family going through time. It's the triplets. Oh come on. Milo Ventimiglia, is not it. This is us. You can't, even,
1: you can't even say his name.
2: No, I can't. Who can say that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, this is us? No. You said that's us so and I was like, so oh. sad. I can't that's like that a joke.
2: that's his story show.
0: Every time I watch oh, that show, I just want to go home. This is us is a great I'll, show. I'll, I'll be at their house and I'll like they'll turn it on. And I'll be like, why? Why do we want to be sad together?
1: <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right we should break down ted lasso
2: no 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 roy i want to know roy's is that the guy's name
1: the all right, I mean, for the next episode Come okay on, okay guys. okay
0: okay 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 next we got
2: excited. okay
0: <laughs> guys yeah. thank you so much for checking out the Bad Ready Podcast, we're so grateful to have you. Uh, thank you to all of the Patreon members. Thank you to everyone who writes and rates reviews. Uh, rates us on Apple Music, Podcast, Spotify, and gives us a thumbs up and subscribes to us on YouTube. Thank you guys so much. If you haven't, do it. Uh, if you didn't hear the beginning of the episode and only tuned in to the end, because why would you do that? Uh, we're in the top 1% of podcasts in the world. Uh, shared. that's because, that's because of you guys Is it shared
2: the top 1% of shared podcasts. People send it to their friends.
1: Wow. The people, the More than 99% of, oh, of other wow. podcasts. That's amazing. Thank you guys so much for sharing the podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's so good. So go and do it again because <laughs> let's get, let's get into the, the, the 0.5%. Let's, you know, let's have an even better 2023. <laughs> Um and really genuinely everyone who listens to the podcast we love you we're so grateful for you and we are out of here
1: alright take care God bless